Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Make a Jump with Richard Olberger of KC Cognitive Psych and me, Lorinda Phillips, Master Certified Coach, as your co-host. Our guests are elite athletes offering their story and advice that is entertaining, authentic, and relevant. They have walked in your shoes. And today's guest is John Kinor. Uh, John, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks I mean, for making the time, John. Yay. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, Richard and I really look forward to the, our conversation. John was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and his father was his high school principal. He graduated with his degree in finance from Western Michigan University, uh, and he graduated. He was a three-time All-Mac player and a one-time Mac champion, so we want to hear about that, too. He worked the Vikings and the Steelers and as well as played at the XFL for the Dallas Reds. So welcome to our show, John. Lots of probably up and down for you. Um, yep. And we're really dying to hear your story. I just but, want to know how he stayed out of the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> or was it a safe place? I enjoyed it. Whenever I needed something, he was always in the school. So He said, you know, he was his role model, father. And I know a lot of tension, at least in my family, with my father and my two brothers. But he experienced completely different relationships that. I think that makes a difference. What other, I mean, your mom, was she an educator as well? or? So growing up, she was a stay-at-home mom. And then as I transitioned into school and where she didn't have to stay at home for uh, with us, she started to work in the school in different roles just so she could be around. And again, she was another person that was at the school that if we ever needed anything, she could always help us and my sister. That's really great. So how did they influence? Like, could you give us some specific examples? Growing up, they always coached my teams. Um, but, I mean, having your dad as a principal is, is kind of challenging. And, you know, it, it constantly challenges you to be good in school and out of school because, you know, whatever you do will come back on them. But they constantly set a path for me and my sister to follow that I think, like I said, challenged us, but was reasonable and I think just made us better. Did you ever have to go to the prince's office or something? <laughs> you know, no, I was always a good student. Very good. <laughs> no, I tried not to go in there. Usually when I went in there, it was usually for a good thing or he needed to talk to me about something, but never for a disciplinary issue. Um, my sister might have been a different case. She was a little more of a troublemaker than me, but he was always good to me. And I, honestly, I loved having him in the school because it kind of set the example of, of being a leader and, and what to look up to and follow. So glad you say that, John. You know, my mom was a, a guidance counselor and a teacher, so I always joke with people that I'm always addicted to getting the next certification because being in school was, it was bonding with my mom. It was safe. Yes. And how important that is, if you can connect to a mentor or coach and for, be fortunate enough to have that kind of relationship, if it does happen to be your, your parent who is your coach, that it can create this great safe space for showing up to practices and uh, for showing up at school, right? And what, what better you know, model for that, for learning and scholastics is there? 100%, I agree with that. I read about you volunteering at Western Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us like how that came about and what your mindset was at that time and how you were feeling. Yeah, so I mean, that, that came about after I was cut from the Minnesota Vikings after the preseason and, and my agent was trying to tell me just stay around the game and do whatever you can because whenever you get a phone call, you got to be ready to go. And when I talked to my O-line coach, uh, Jake Moreland and Tim Lester at Western Michigan, they said, you can come on down, sit in all the meetings, come to practice, be around football. And then I lifted weights after. So 
I mean, it was it was a perfect transition from being cut in NFL to staying around the game and being ready for an opportunity whenever it came. And so those 10 weeks I, I spent with them really helped me when I finally did get that phone call. That's so awesome. So you were able to stay with what you love. Yep. I mean, the people, I mean, the people that around me really helped me with that and thankful for my coaches and they really knew what I needed at the time and they were there for me. And so I was so lucky for that. Was it, was it, Difficult going from being, you know, a star player at the school to being now like the ego of being an assistant, like of not knowing how to coach the game or what your role was or the uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, going in and you've always been in the front of the room. Now it's kind of different being in the back of the room. But, you know, you got to try to embrace your role and know why you're doing things. You know, I knew I wasn't there to be the star football player. I was there to help in any way I can and just try to stay around the game and help the guys that I played with get better. So Yeah, that's great. And, and what did you get out of that? Kind of just, like I said, you just stay around the game. You stay in a routine. Like, even when you're not playing football, you got to, like, stay around terminology that you know, watch film, be around practice, and just kind of be in the team setting and, and around, I mean, guys that I played with, but around coaches that uh, you look up to and, and can help you along in your journey. Now, were you a center your entire journey? So I started as a center, like peewee football. My That's where my dad played me. Um, I played tackle for a few years in high school, but after that, I played really mainly center until I got to the NFL and then I played guard. So I've kind of played them all. Okay. And because I noticed there was guard somewhere in my reading. Did um, he choose that because that's what he played or was he, was he angling for a long-term career? <laughs> no, he was a, he was a tackle. He's a little taller than me, but he knew how important the center was and, and I could snap the ball. So that was, that uh, was pretty helpful during uh first uh, youth football. <laughs> yeah. Probably a direct relationship between fumbles and win ratio. <laughs> yes. He knew, he knew what to do. This is kind of a crazy question. I've never asked anybody this and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Did you have a tradition or is there something about that position? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of biased because okay, I've played it my whole career, but okay. I think I think the center kind of sets a tone. They're usually not the biggest guy or the strongest guy, but they're the guy that usually knows what to do and what everybody else is supposed to do. And you kind of you set the play for it. So I think as a center, you have to be mentally and physically prepared, but mainly mentally and you have to be able to help the guys around you. I mean, a lot of the time as a center, you're working with other people. You're working in a double team. You're never usually singled up like a tackle. A lot of what you do is mentally and, and then working together and knowing who you're working with, what the assignment is. And so I, I always enjoyed that part of the game. Yeah. There's a lot of communication, both verbally yep. uh, pointing out and right. Yep. So at a young age, those, those that's a lot of different hand-eye coordination, verbal, that's a lot of leadership skills. Yeah. It's not yep. the glamorous position of the quarterback or the wide receiver. Was that just modeled for you and your family? Was that like, did you grow up around football? Did you understand that? Did you ever go, dad, I want to play wide out? <laughs> I, so that's funny you asked that. I like when I, when I first started playing, I wanted to play either fullback or running back because I wanted to score a touchdown. But my dad being an offensive lineman his whole life, he knew as an offensive lineman, you don't get the, the glory or your name in the paper. It's you, you hope to see a win and you do whatever you can at, as a team member to make sure your team is successful. And I think he's always instilled that in me um, that do whatever it takes and play your role uh, in a way to let the team win and get a victory. 
how is your injuries? Did you get injured at any time while you were playing? I've been, I've been, I would think maybe. Yeah. I've been pretty lucky. Um, I've had a high ankle sprain, which did, which only held me out of one game in college. It's the only game I missed. Um, and then I had thumb surgery after my junior year. So um, playing the sport for going on, what is it, 12 years almost, only having two main major injuries yeah. is pretty good. Uh, during COVID, uh, have you, what have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning of COVID, uh, we kind of, with the XFL shut down, so we all got sent home, and um, I took I took a week or so off just to. Were you in? Clear were my you head. with the team or at the practice facility and everything? <laughs> yeah, we were. We were with team in Dallas when we got uh, word that we were shutting down the season, which was tough because I had started the last two games, which I was excited about. But yeah, I, mean, I was there season. March 9th uh, when the LA uh, Wildcats played. I think it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. I, I loved XFL. It was great. It was uh it was perfect for me. It was great for young players who hadn't got much of an opportunity in the NFL or hadn't had much film. Just really go out there and play. And so when we got sent home from that, it was tough. You know, I just continued to work out, hoping for a shot uh, in the NFL again. Because that, I mean, ultimately, when you play football, you try to play at the highest level, and that's the NFL. And so I was lucky enough that the Pittsburgh Steelers called me. And uh, much like we're doing now, we were we were doing Zoom meetings. Uh, throughout the off season until we went to training camp. Um, so I've been trying to stay busy during COVID. It's been tough. I, I, you know, having my dad as a former principal, it's nice because I've been able to use some facilities that um, may not be accessible to the public, I guess you could say, or as easy to get uh, into. Um, but, uh, you know, it's tough, especially trying to stay in shape. And as much as football is a team game, getting, staying around your teammates is, is hard to do in this COVID environment. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point, John. And, and part of, uh, you know, I gave a presentation on, you know, the grief and loss of, you know, missing your team, missing your season, let alone to be like in the middle of a season. And, and the XFL had such excitement and it was kind yeah. of growing, right? We were at like game four, it was gaining more attention. So how did you cope with that? Like you said, like I'm picturing <laughs> the principal, like, you know, is the alarm ring at 530 and that's it? Like there's just, you know, it's another day. <laughs> I mean, it was tough, especially because um, you, you you grow those connections for, I think it was about 12 weeks with training camp that we had up until that point with those guys. And, you know, the next day you're told, hey, you guys are all getting sent home. So, you, I mean, you don't know if you're coming back or if you'll see those guys again. So that's tough. Um, and and when, you, when you're in a football season, you get in such a routine um, that when you get out of that routine, it's kind of tough. Um, kind of adapt and change. And so the first couple of weeks being sent home was was tough because you're not no longer in that routine of I have to get up. I set an alarm for seven o'clock every day or you're not around the same people that you're around every day. And uh, that's really tough. And how did what did you find? How did you find that? I mean, was there a lull? Was there a, you know, I'd say the first for week our listeners there was, that want the reality of, of what yeah. it's like. The first couple of weeks was was definitely a lull, and it, it's hard to get out of bed like when you don't like really have anything to do, and you just kind of have to be disciplined, and um, you kind of have to be have to be optimistic that uh, you know around the corner is going to be another opportunity, and you have to be ready for whenever the opportunity comes that you're going to be ready for it. And so you know even on those hard days that you don't really feel like doing anything, you have to do something so that when something does come up that you're ready. 
Yeah. I heard that uh, Dwayne Johnson put in $15 million. Um, is that going anywhere? Or So we got an email about a week or two ago that they may start back up in 2022. So uh, they'll take this year off and they'll probably come back following spring. Uh, the spring of 22? Yep, spring of 2022. Yeah, probably as a business model, making sure that you can have fans at the game. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I, yeah, I had people, some, people were decked out in L.A. They were wearing... <laughs> I don't know what a wildcat, something on their head. It wasn't a cheese head, but it was the closest thing to an L.A. wildcat version. Yeah, I went to two games, Richard. I don't think we ever discussed that. I I met um, Winston Moss. And it, through his oh. daughter, and so it was. It was great. Everybody was hyped up, right? So I'm sure you know it was so everywhere, right? What were you guys? Were you- so we finished two and three. We were in the punt in the West Division. It was a lot of fun. I, all I can say as a fan, the coaches and the players in the league made the. I think made the league what it was, and you know, because a lot of the guys came from places where they were on a practice squad in the NFL or right. um, like at the bottom of the roster where you weren't really playing, and so. And you kind of got back into a, a place where you could actually play football. You know, it was kind of not, it wasn't like college football, but in college you have kind of a camaraderie amongst the locker room. I think that kind of was rebirthed in a lot of guys. So they oh, had yeah, fun you definitely playing the game. Felt, you felt like everyone wanted to be out there. It was really, really good energy around the sport. And- you spent a lot of time and were, it seemed to me very successful in college. Mm-hmm. And you went to two other, well, one pro, uh, Vikings, and then were let go. Now, how was that for you at the time? Is it Was it like, oh, that's how it is? Or how did you feel? How did you feel? <laughs> well, I mean, it's tough, especially when you your dream as a child or as a kid is to make it to the highest level. And when you, when you kind of reach that goal, it's kind of like, uh, and then after a couple of months, it's kind of taken away from you. It, it's tough, but you, you know, it's a business and that football is a business. And if it's not that right situation there, then you, who knows? It may be a, a better situation somewhere else. So you have to just constantly continue to work on, on yourself and getting better and improving. And hopefully, you know, you're kind of just hoping that the situation comes up that, that you can succeed in. And it's not always about where you go. It's sometimes where you best fit. You have to kind of try to find that and where you, the organization you go. What do you think? about like what's the strategy you and and or your um, agent think about when you're looking at opportunities it's tough especially as like a a bottom of the roster guy or guy who's i was undrafted you kind of just got to go wherever the opportunity is and you got to try to make the most of it when you're there and this year we didn't have a preseason but you got to try to put whatever best film on because in nfl your resume is your film so you have to kind of try to put your best film out there for other teams or for the team you're on to see it's tough but you constantly just have to keep trying to do your best but the only thing you can really do is focusing on getting better yourself and that definitely i would say is a lesson learned you know as you're Mm -hmm. growing up and as you're going to different levels of your sport were there any other lessons that you uh have learned either in college or professional uh, ball i think one that coach fleck when i was at western michigan always said is uh preparation equals confidence and confidence comes from preparation so um (laughs) preparing to succeed is is kind of like is what you should do in in life and especially in football is you have to prepare with the championship mentality and you'll be confident in what you do when you prepare correct coach uh pj flat he said uh confidence comes from preparation he's been there a long time hasn't he yep so he was with us I, i had him i was lucky enough to have him for two years and then he uh 
He went to Minnesota and it's been pretty successful. So that's where the networking portion for all our listeners and athletes out there, right? Like if you have a good relationship to your coach and they see your work ethic and they see the nuances of how you approach practice every day and your leadership, that's where opportunities come from as well. Yes, 100%. Uh, So um, is there anything you can speak to that in terms of maintaining those connections or relationships or nurturing them once yeah, you leave I think, college? I think connect, like playing football in college is a, a whole, a lot about um, building those relationships and maintaining them. I know a lot of guys, my former teammates who, um, because they knew one guy here or a coach at Western Michigan, they were able to get an opportunity, uh, maybe not professionally playing football, but uh, a job opportunity and, and a place because they have connections. And so, um, maintaining and building those relationships, whether within the locker room, um, with your teammates, because who knows, you you could have teammates who are CEOs of companies and, um, and you could possibly work for one day or, or coaches who have connections throughout, um, many cities or, and when they go places, many different major cities. And so, um, building and maintaining those relationships is very important for both football and life after football. Yeah, it's really beautiful that you say that. I mean, we were joking on a a previous episode that, you know, one of my high school basketball point guard is an ESPN uh, anchor and Kevin Connors and, you know, others are our sponsor for the show. He's the Brooklyn Nets dentist. And he was my, I was his camp counselor. So I was like, you know, wherever you are, right? Like people are watching, you know, even if that kid is 12 years old, that you're helping coach, you know, on the peewee league, right? They, they're noticing how you are and how you treat them. And we don't know where the opportunities are going to come from. Yeah. And where the next uh, window is going to be open for you. And you have mm-hmm. no idea. And I love it, Richard, whether you're eight years old or you're 38, right? It's not that. Oh I used to look up at the older, now I'm looking at the younger. <laughs> who's, who's the next president here? <laughs> so what would you say, given your journey, uh, what's your philosophy if you're philosophizing? What is your philosophy about life? I think what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. And if you're willing to work and you're willing to do things when people aren't watching, I think that's when you'll be successful. Surround yourself with the right people. As Coach Coach Flex said, you surround yourself with turds, you'll be a turd. But if you surround yourself with successful people, you'll be successful. And I think that speaks true. I think if you're if you surround yourself with the right people, you have the right mindset on life and I think you're going to be successful. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I always tell people, I mean, I'm I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm uh, right now, but I'm a big New York Giants fan and two Super Bowl, most recent two Super Bowl victories. I mean, it's not often focused on outside of football, but the offensive line had been together for like 12 years, including one was the son-in-law of the coach. So you think of that family type environment, showing up every day of working hard for one another. And Rich Seibert used to be playing with like a cast on his arm. <laughs> I mean, like this is a, you know, the type of characteristics of going to battle for one another, which serve you through life in terms of really being in there. And when you know someone is is there for you in that way, in that trust and confidence, mm-hmm. you're willing to offer them positions in your company. You're willing to, to take that risk. Uh, so you've already proven it. So capitalizing on it is not, it's it's okay to be selfish in that way. I think it's a, a hard thing <laughs> for an athlete who's been so strong physically and 
you know, also as a leader on the field to do off the field, to reach out, to use this time. If you are in a transition to be commit to a certain amount of time, making those calls. I mean, Lorenda, what skills do you, you know, often tell your clients, your coach? A lot of transferable skills. The idea of being a leader and also led by. So the idea of, okay, I'm now to listen to the leadership, right? That's a huge deal to be strong in both. If you'd like to listen more, please click on the link for Making the Jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings. This is Richard Listens, and I'm out.